Please be seated. Be turning over uh, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. Uh, a lot of us do bring our Bibles with us. Some of them uh, we bring in uh, paper form and some of us bring them in electronic form. Nonetheless, uh, the Bible is very important. If you're visiting here with us today, uh, you uh, should know that uh, we always base our messages on the Bible, which we believe to be the inspired Word of God. And uh, we believe that's where we really can uh, find truth and where we can find something that we can rely on. If, if you don't happen to believe that, that's okay. Uh, just give, uh, give the Bible a chance, give God a chance, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, Mark chapter 3, hopefully you can look on somebody else if uh, you don't have your own Bible. We're going to begin in just a minute, in uh, about midway through the chapter. I want to go ahead and give you the uh, sermon title for today, uh, right up front. Uh, James Donvito, are you listening here? The, uh, the sermon title today is Heat and Serve. Now, I'll just leave you wondering, what is the ser- how's the sermon, how's that going to tie into the sermon? Anybody got any ideas? Heat and serve. Marcel, you got nothing, do you? We'll, uh, we'll get that in a minute. Of course, we have uh, not only our guests, we have our Spanish-speaking ministry, which normally wouldn't be here. We're doing a series in search of the real Jesus. We're using Mark's account. Uh, there's four accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we have in what we call the New Testament part of our Bible. We're looking specifically at Mark's account. Uh, We're trying to find out who the real Jesus is. As we pick up reading today, we are about one year into Jesus' ministry. And uh, we've already seen that uh, the message of Jesus could be summarized, Mark says. Jesus was going around saying, uh, believe, repent and believe the good news. Uh, the kingdom of God is near, the time has come, etc., etc. He's already been doing many miracles that are uh, proving who he is, as well as serving the community, helping people who, with, uh, who have great sickness, illnesses, uh, handicaps, etc. Um, he has already, in this year, got a lot of people following him. The crowds are starting to gather, and that's not surprising, is it? Uh, with the message that he was preaching, with the miracles he was doing. And then we talked about it last week specifically if we were here. He's also starting to get some significant persecution. The Jewish religious leaders, uh, for some reason, they were just blind to what he was doing and his message. Uh, they just couldn't see it. Uh, even though it seemed so obvious to them, uh, it was hard for them to embrace that. So even at the, where we finished out last week, there were a group of the Jewish religious leaders that were plotting to kill Jesus. So that's pretty intense, right? Uh, so that's sort of what's going on. As we read here today, this is, uh, most people believe, about a year in his ministry, like I said, this is right before he gives the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you know the Sermon on the Mount, Mark doesn't include that in his account, but Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is sort of the, the Magna Carta of the Christian faith. And there... If you want to understand what Jesus taught and what Jesus was about, uh, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
It's great stuff there. And evidently, this is right before he gave that particular sermon that's so well known. We're going to begin reading in verse 13. And a lot of you would, uh, perhaps this would be familiar to you. I, I find this to be, for me, one of the most significant, important, and inspiring parts of the whole ministry of Jesus right here. Uh, hopefully you'll uh, be helped by it today. Uh, I feel like when I studied it for uh, the lesson today, that I, uh, I saw some things that perhaps I hadn't seen before in the same way. I want to invite you, even if you're very familiar with this, to try to, to read it like it's the first time. And, you know, what's Mark really trying to say about Jesus? What's he really telling us about the ministry of Jesus here? And uh, perhaps we'll have a discussion about that in just a few moments. Let's read here in uh, verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and calling to him those he wanted, and, and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him, he appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Must have been a story behind that. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So we're in search of the, uh, the real Jesus. And I know a lot of you have read this perhaps before. There are, a lot of you know this too as well, if you've heard me speak before, I only do one-point sermons. However, I'm going to cheat because there's about four one-point sermons in here. So we're going we're gonna to touch on more than one thing, even though there is going to be one main point, Holly, just wanted you to make sure. We're not going to get to that till the very end, though. So make sure you stay awake for that. But uh, let, me, uh, let me get some input and thoughts from you. When you read this, and maybe you're even reading it, hopefully today, as if it was the first time, even if it's not, what do you learn about the real Jesus? from uh, what Mark writes here. Say it again. He was a crowd magnet. Is that what you said? Yes, so there was large crowds were gathering and that was very uh, understandable because I think his message was powerful, his message was appealing. Uh, he was doing the miracles. Etc. Okay, what else do you learn about the real Jesus? Yeah, Rachel? He was respected. And that's really true today, too. Jesus calls us, and he really calls everybody in this room, but he gives us a choice. We have an opportunity to respond or to not respond. Jesus needed help. What's clear here 
and maybe it's obvious to you, maybe it's not, Jesus was thinking ahead. He's only got two more years until he's going to, uh, he knows he's going to go to the cross. He knows he's going to be ascending into heaven. But this work, this message is eternal. It's supposed to go on and on. And here it is still going on and on today, 2000, some, some 2,000 years later. So Jesus had a plan. And it was a pretty awesome plan. And it's clear here that his plan was, I'm going to pick out 12 guys, and I'm going to give them special attention. I'm going to have a special relationship with them. They're going to go with me everywhere I go, and they're going to get to know me in a very special way. They're going to get to know who I am. They're going to get to know my message. And that way, after I'm gone, they're going to be able to continue that on. And it's pretty awesome that sort of uh, passing on of the message uh, is still going on today. The reason that we're here, one of the main reasons is that Jesus' plan worked so well and that these 12 men did such a good job after Jesus was gone of carrying on his ministry, passing it on to people who pass it on to the next generation, to the next person, and so on and so on. And here we are today as well. Okay, what else do you learn about the real Jesus from this. He was cool. And why do you say that, Danny? I mean, I agree with you, but I want to hear what you have to say about it. The nickname he gave him. I like that. I like that. You know, it wasn't in my notes, but I like that. You know, Peter means rock, and, you know, the guy's name was Simon. And so, you know, it was just a... Uh, it was like, you know, probably some of you in high school or college, you had a small group of guys and you were kind of, and you know, and you have, and when you get a bunch of guys together, it doesn't take long before they come up with nicknames for each other, right? And so Jesus was leading the way here. He was having a good time with all that. No, that's good. What else you learn about the real Jesus? Grace? He has vision and he believes and 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 why would you why would you say that? Exactly. And this, thank you Grace. This is a thing that stood out to me in a way that had never stood out to me before as many times as I have read this is that Jesus, the real Jesus, embraces ordinary people. These 12 guys were known to be ordinary people. Later on in the book of Acts, it says that uh, the people were surprised that the, you know, they were carrying on the ministry of Jesus, that they were, they're just unschooled and ordinary people. You know, and they seemed surprised by that. But the thing about it was they weren't ordinary just in the sense that they were unschooled or perhaps they weren't immensely talented or immensely gifted socially. I don't know. They were just salt of the earth, normal people like me and you. You know what struck me when I looked at this list of people like it never had before is how little we know 
about any of these 12 people. Did you notice that? I mean, you go through that, and some of them we know some about, right? Peter and John, mostly, most of all. The rest of them, Judas, we know about for all the wrong reasons. And we know something about those guys, but even those guys, how much do we really know about them? We know Peter was married, and he had children, and he had a mother-in-law, okay? But we don't know anything. There's so, many, there's so much that's left out. Some of them, you can tell everything you know about them in one sentence. Andrew, he was the brother of Peter. You know, um, this other James, the only thing we know, he's never mentioned again in any of the Bible. All we know about him, he was the son of Alpheus. Right? Thomas, why do we know? The only reason, the only thing we know about Thomas was, is right toward the end there, he doubted that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Right? Several of these guys... Okay, tell me, I want this is a little test for the audience here. Tell me everything you know about Bartholomew. Yes. He's what? Luke? Bartholomew is Luke? I'm not so sure about that, but I'm open. I'm open. Matthew, we know he was a tax collector. Thaddeus, what do we know about Thaddeus? Simon the Zealot. Now a lot of people think, that is interesting, a lot of people think that the reason he was called Simon the Zealot, there was a particularly nationalistic group of Jews who were sort of guerrillas, underground you know, warfare, conducting guerrilla warfare against the Roman government, which was ruling, and they were known as the Zealots. And uh, so it's kind of interesting that if that is true, you had Simon who was, you know, violently opposing the Roman government, and you had Matthew, the tax collector, who'd been working for the Roman government. So it's a diverse group. <laughs> but it struck me like never before, how different this is than the way many of us would have written the story. In fact, maybe even we're, we're a little bit disappointed because, you know, I'd like to know, these guys, these were the 12 apostles. These guys, everything hinged on them. They went out and changed the world. And evidently they did a good job. And we don't know what they did. And we don't know what Thaddeus did. And we don't know what Bartholomew did. And we don't know what you know, James, son of Alphaeus, did, but they must have done something pretty awesome. But the story is not about them. The story is about Jesus. Do you see that? Because there was nothing special about these guys except they gave their hearts and their lives to Jesus and they could be used by Jesus. You know, it's even more surprising that what little we do know about these guys is mostly not very encouraging. Have you figured that out yet? You know, Peter, for instance, 
probably would have liked to have been a little more anonymous than he was. And it's interesting to me that a lot of you, if you were here before, then you know I've mentioned it before. We have a very strong reasons to believe that Mark's account was a first-hand account that he wrote, really, Peter's story. He, we know he was great friends with Peter. Peter called him a son in the faith. We know they were together in Rome. And so Mark is writing down Peter's stuff. And if you've read through the rest, read through the best of Mark. Have you done that yet? I challenge you to do that in the beginning, but do it if you haven't done it yet, or do it again. Find out how many good things you can find out about Peter in the rest of this story. I'm just talking about Mark's account. And so I imagine this conversation. Mark is very proud of himself, and he says, well, you know what I'm going to do, Peter? I'm going to write down my account, based on what you're telling me and your relationship with Jesus and your experiences with Jesus, I'm going to write down all the stuff, you know, that happened in the ministry of Jesus, life of Jesus, and I'm going to put you in there. And, uh, and so I could just imagine the conversation, you know, and, and, and Mark finishes his, his account, and so he gives it to Peter to read. He says, Peter, I just wanted you to get a look at what I wrote here. Uh, I'm going to, you know, spread this around, I'm going to pass this around, and you know, hopefully it's going to help a lot of people. How do you think Peter felt? I imagine there was a conversation, I can imagine a conversation where Peter going, well, can I be honest with you, Mark? I read, you, I read what you wrote. Can I be honest with you? You know, I mean, this is a little awkward, but I mean, everything you wrote was true and it was stuff I told you, but did you have to put all of that in there? All that stuff about when I was, you know, when I didn't understand and I lacked faith and I fell asleep on Jesus in the garden and I deserted him at the cross and I even denied him. And then, you know, even after he was raised from the dead, I wasn't waiting at the tomb expecting him to rise. I had to be convinced to go there. And even after that, I went back to fishing for a while. I mean, why did you need to put all that in there? And you know, the other thing is, I mean, that's all true, but there's hardly anything good about me in here. Could you not, could we have made a little more balanced, you know, sort of description here? Because I'm sure there were a lot of good things about Peter that are just not written down. It seems like Mark went out of his way to tell us all the worst things about Jesus, or Peter. Right? Well, I got to tell you, I wonder if Peter's was upset. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm actually quite encouraged about this account. And uh, I'm, I'm afraid to say this out loud, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. I am frequently encouraged by the failures of others. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, it's not like I'm rejoicing and, you know, and I feel bad for them and they make bad decisions and they're struggling in their faith and they fall down and they have to face consequences and I pray for them and all that. But there's a part of that that goes, well, you know, it's good to know there are other people who are human like me. There's other people that I can relate to. And see, this should help us here. It's very clear from Mark, it's very clear from the other accounts as well. Jesus is the hero of this story. As humans, we would have been tempted, a lot of us would be, to lift up these 12 guys, right? Give us a lot of information. Let me just say this. It's, a, it's not the main point today. We're not to that yet, Holly. I'll, get to, I'll tell you when we get there. 
We've had a problem in the past in our history, and hopefully it's in the distant past, with hero worship in our fellowship. Let me tell you, beware of that. It's good to recognize the good things that people do. It's good to encourage. It's good to let other people inspire. But at the end of the day, we're all made out of the same stuff. He's Jesus and we're not. All glory has to go to Jesus. See, when you know Jesus, when you love Jesus, when you spent time with Jesus, other people don't impress you much. Reminds me of that Shania Twain song. We got to go back 20 years. I don't expect any of the college students know what I'm talking about. Shania Twain, don't impress me much. But that's actually good for us. I got some other good news for you. I, 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 I really thought this, and so sometimes I just let my thoughts come out, and I say them. I was studying for this lesson. I go, and I'm looking at the, what we do know, what little we know, and what we do know about the guys who are the apostles. And I think, you know, I got a lot of people in my ministry that could have been apostles. <laughs> now, Albert, I, want you to, I know you're thinking about that. I want you to take that in the very best way. You could have been an apostle. Jesus embraces ordinary people. He embraces the ordinary. Now, it's obvious, of course, there were reasons that he chose them. And I think we should know that and understand it, is they, they were ready to devote themselves to Jesus. They were ready to give their heart to Jesus. They were attracted to Jesus. When Jesus said, come be with me, they wanted that. They wanted to be with him. They wanted to know him. They wanted to have that relationship with him. They were courageous to do that. Remember, we just read in the previous lesson about how now they're trying to kill Jesus. You know, it takes some courage to want to hang out with and be best friends with somebody that other people are trying to kill. You know what I'm saying? They obviously embraced the challenge of being with Jesus. Now for the main point of the sermon today. Heat and serve. When Jesus calls them, these ordinary people, Ordinary like me and you. What does he say? He says, come be with him, Mark says, that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Jesus says, the reason that I want you to be with me, the reason that I want you to come along, the thing that I want you to pass on, is even after I'm now and after I'm gone, I want you to share with others the gospel message. I want you to share it with a lost world. And also, I want you to help with all those demons that people have out there. Have you figured out that a lot of us are demon-possessed? If we're not demon-possessed, we are demon-inflicted. We've all got our own demons. Jesus is saying... Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to go. I want you to be with me so that you can go and serve others. The real Jesus wants followers who will serve others, who will help the lost find faith and know the good news, who will help others, their, their, their friends in the church, their friends out of the church, deal with the demons that are in their lives. And we've all got demons in our lives. You got demons in your I got demons in my life. I'm not talking about a world, you know, a weird, you know, Halloweenish zombie devil possessed way. Mary Kay might disagree with that, but anyway, uh, there are moments I'm sure. But we've all got our stuff, right? Heat and serve. You know what Jesus wants us? To, he wants us to embrace Him. To He wants to heat us up and send us out to serve. I call the sermon "Heat and Serve" because some of you might know I do not know how to cook. I know many of you guys are really good at it. And I know it's a source of pride for many men that they can grill anything. If it was once living, it can be grilled. Animal or vegetable. But I can't do that. Mary Kay understands that and she accepts me and loves me anyway. The way I try to make this work in our marriage is that... Uh, I do all the dishes and I clean up the kitchen. She does all the cooking. She does all the cooking. Now, when she's out of town though, she's out of town or she knows not going to be there or, you know, I got to make my own lunch, she's out or something or one night she's out doing something. You know what she does? She goes down to Trader Joe's. Because we're going to eat healthy, aren't we? And we get frozen meals. And you know, I like those frozen meals. Because you know what? I look on the back and you know what it says? Heat and serve. I stick them in the microwave. I heat them up and they are ready to go. That's what Jesus wants. He wants to heat us up. So he could send us out to make a difference in the world that we live in. You know, we got a problem today in Christianity. Can I be honest with you? It's called consumer Christianity. And there's thousands of people who've gone to church today and all they're interested about is finding a church and going to a church where that church can meet all of their needs. And it's all about what the church and what Jesus can do for me. There's churches you can go to, and but you know, Jesus didn't say that, did he? Did you notice that when Jesus said, come follow me, when he said, come be with me, he didn't say, and I will make you happy. <laughs> or I'll give you a great marriage. I already met him. We know Peter was married. He had a mother-in-law. Marcel, you have to be married in order to have a mother-in-law. But we don't know anything about her. But Jesus didn't say, hey, come, come follow me, come be with me, and I'll fix your marriage. I'll show you good enough parenting. I'll, I'll, I'll make you happy. I'll give you peace of mind. I'll make a lot of churches today, 
Come follow, come to Jesus. He'll make you rich. Yeah. He'll solve all, he'll, he'll, he'll make you healthy. Yeah. It is funny. There's churches that say that. It's all, it's consumer Christianity. The real Jesus didn't say that. Now, don't mean, I believe the gospel is good news, and I believe we repent of sin, a lot of stuff's going to be fixed, and I think there's a reason there was a group of them together, the 12 of them with Jesus, because they needed to help each other, and Jesus helped them, and they helped each other, and that went on after Jesus was gone, and I do believe we can, you know, we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have a better marriage, we're going to learn more about parenting, we're going to be happier, I'm not sure about wealthier, but, you know, but isn't it time for us to go to the next level in our faith? Or for some of us, go back to the level that we once understood that we left now? The next level of faith is when you come to Jesus and you're with Jesus and you love Jesus and you're devoted to Jesus. And you're not just looking for what Jesus can do for you. You're looking how you can serve others. You know, uh, some of you might know that I like college football. I know many of you don't. Uh, in fact, I understated that. I'm addicted to college football. And I will just remind you again that, uh, thank you, uh, I would remind you again that uh, if you're going to get married and you want me to do your wedding or attend your wedding, you should not get married on a Saturday in the fall. I respectfully request that you just consider that. There's eight months of Saturdays that are just fine. I'd prefer you stay away from September through December. Okay, I'm just being honest with you. If you have a baby, can you not do that on the weekend either? But anyway, um, Mary, Kay says, Mary Kay says you need to stop. But when I watch football, and you watch any sports, and maybe it applies to things outside of sports, I heard it several times yesterday while I was filling my addiction. Um, they say, well, this quarterback or this running back or this team has taken it to the next level. In other words, they've, they've, they've got the basics, they've gone beyond the basics, but now they are seeing things and doing things that they never were able to do before. Jesus wants us to go to the next level. A mature faith is not all focused about what you get. It's also about what you give. And the great thing about it is, once you start doing that, you realize how even more awesome your faith is when you exercise it and you serve other people, how more fulfilled you are. Don't be a dead-end Christian. Don't be a fruitless Christian. Don't be a selfish Christian. Jesus, the real Jesus calls us and wants his followers to serve others. You know, this idea that the followers of Jesus are supposed to serve others... It's not usually mentioned in a lot of the tracts, in the popular Christian books, 
or even the Christian songs you hear today. Right? You know what the problem is? Consumer Christianity. Which is unfulfilling at the end of the day anyway. Somebody has said, and I like this, that the invitation, the call of Jesus is the least manipulative invitation ever given. Right? Because aren't we all used to somebody offering us something and we've sort of, many of us have been gullible and we didn't read the fine print. We didn't understand what was going to, that's happened to me so many times. I am so sick of that happening to me. It started, the first time I remember happening to me is I, I was, I was a, a mere teen. And, you know, they, they, were, they were, back then, we, we purchased our music. It was either in eight track or, or, C, or, 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 or cassette tapes. Those are like, go to the museum or something. You can find those. <laughs> Even before that, when I grew up, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, 33 and a third RPM, out 45s, right? Yeah. I remember I had this one song by John Fred and his Playboy band. Well, it was just a name. I don't know what the song was about, but I wore that thing out. Right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. But I remember the first time I fell for this was, you know, they off, there's this some advertising magazine or something. You can get any 12 albums you want for 99 cents. All you got to do is sign up here, send in your money. Did you guys fall for that? And I did that. And then a month later, I got two more albums that I hadn't offered, that I hadn't purchased in the mail. And I called them up and I go, well, you didn't, you didn't read that part. What well, is you're obligated to buy at regular price two more albums every month from now till the end of the world. <laughs> right? And then a lot of us, we grow up and then I, you know, and, and, and we learn to be gullible and cynical, but it, it still happens to us. I shared this happened to me not too long ago. I saw an advertisement for some free supplements. And I thought, Mary Kay is going to be really proud of me if I get these. So I bought the supplements. They said this first bottle is free. And I go, good. And I bought it. For nothing. $4.99 I had to pay for shipping. It's funny how much it costs to ship things. And handling. Somebody had to handle that. So I buy it. And then two weeks later, I get a bill from them for $50. I go, well, what's this for? This is for, you know, the next month's shipment. It's $49.99 every month for the rest of your life. <laughs> so here I am at my age, Curtis. I'm still falling into this stuff. Jesus gave the least manipulative invitation ever given. Some of you, the reason you're unfulfilled in your faith today 
is you either never knew or you forgot that it's not all about you. It's not all about what Jesus can do for you. And he can do amazing things for you. Jesus calls those who follow him to go on to serve others. Yes, followers of Jesus share their faith. Followers of Jesus serve the church and the rest of the world. Followers of Jesus give of themselves. Followers of Jesus are reaching out and helping people with their demons. And maybe if you help some other people with their demons, maybe they'll help you with yours. That's what happened with these 12 guys. Oh, except for one. How'd you like to be in the Bible? And the only thing that was written about you was that you were the one who betrayed Jesus. And you had the same opportunity, same possibilities, you heard the same messages, you knew the same Jesus, and you rejected him. And you turned away. You know, it seemed like Judas, if you know the rest of the story, I guess we'll get there eventually, Marcel. It's on toward the end of Mark. Seems Judas was really concerned about the money. Because he became the treasurer of the group. You know what it says? It says, you know, as treasurer of the group, sometimes he used to help, help himself to some of the money there. Seemed Judas got off track. Judas started thinking about what was in it for him. He didn't serve. The real Jesus wants us to be with him, to know him, to love him, to embrace him, to be inspired by him, to have our hearts moved by him. He wants us to be a blessing. He wants us to be blessed, and He wants us to be a blessing for others. Let me put it this way. If you think you're following Jesus, and you're not, have a life where you are actively, intimately involved in serving others, you are only kidding yourself. And you have either never known the real Jesus, or you no longer know the real Jesus. It's not about, not all about you. Not all about what you get. What if we all, even if we're renewing or recommitting, what if we all embraced Jesus and the call of Jesus and the opportunity that Jesus gives us to live and to serve others and make a difference in this world that we live in. Heat and serve. Let's pray together. God, we're encouraged by the fact that you embrace the ordinary. Jesus, we are inspired by you.
We want to give you, we want to understand you, know you, give you more of our hearts. Lord, we're inspired by the way you used so powerfully these obviously ordinary men that we can relate to so well. Help us to take the lesson to heart today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your day.